Awesome Inc. presents the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, a show that highlights how people throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky pursue their definition of awesome through entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. Hey everybody, Keith McMunn here, Awesome Inc. Fellowship Director in association with the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame. And I've got something really exciting to share with you. We just recently accepted our 40th startup company in the fellowship program's history. So this, the fellowship program started in 2014. And to be honest with you, back then, I'm not sure if we believed in ourselves that we would ever assist 40 startup companies, particularly all from Kentucky. So this is an exciting, monumental kind of day for us. Uh, In a moment, you're gonna hear from the founder of that startup company. His name is Eric Paul, and the company is called OmniLife. And believe it or not, the story all begins in Iowa. So give it a listen. We hope you enjoy. If you've got any comments or feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Take it away. So Keith McMunn here from Awesome Inc. And I am joined by Eric Paul, founder or co-founder of OmniLife. Um, and sitting next to him is Jordan Miller, the MVP intern, right, of OmniLife. Um, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, um, and then uh, and then we'll work our way into OmniLife and the story behind that. Sure thing. Super happy to be here, Keith. Thanks so much for having me. Um, really happy to be part of the fellowship program uh, for the 2019 cohort. Um, my name is Eric Paul. I grew up in central Iowa, uh, actually in Iowa State country, uh, then went to the University of Iowa for my undergrad in biomedical engineering. Um, through my undergrad, I developed a passion for software, especially medical software, and how they can impact clinical decision support. And I met my future co-founder, uh, Dalton Shaw, um, in the John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center uh, working on business ideas. And he and I uh, talked for a while about our own respective biomedical in- innovations that we were hoping to um, hoping to follow and you know eventually bring to market. And we discovered a joint passion around organ transplantation. Where, where did that passion come from? Um, my, uh, my co-founder Dalton Shaw actually suffered a, he was a division one football player at the University of Iowa. And then coming home from practice, he got in a motor vehicle accident that ended his career and uh, suffered a paralysis in his right arm. After about a year of rehabilitation and trying to get it to work, it was a it was it was a no go. And he underwent an experimental surgery um, that they actually transplanted a nerve um, into his arm. And now he has full function of his right arm. It's amazing. That's incredible. Um, And. Uh, I actually have three ants suffering uh, liver failure that are waiting for organ transplantations. Um, so we started kind of peeling back what what is it about organ transplant? Everybody knows about organ donation because they go through driver's education and may or may not have uh, you know donor list on their light on their license, but that's about as far as the traditional public knows about it. So we started peeling back the layers and. Organs are national resources. You can't buy and sell them. Um, And there actually is a federal institute called the Organ Procurement and Transplantation Network that houses all the data from organ transplantations that have happened for the last 50 years. 
50 years of organ transplantation data available under data request. So I made a request, you know, being a uh, having a computer science background and, and biomedical engineering, made a data request and started sifting through some of the data. Um, a few of the things that I found that were extremely shocking, especially um, to all the people waiting, is there's, there's over 120,000 people in the U.S. waiting for a life-saving organ transplant, and 22 die every day. Um, so it's a tremendously scarce resource. And looking at uh, donation statistics uh, across the U.S., we started to track and follow just how many donors were being correctly authorized and consented and how many organs that were actually available and then how many organs got transplanted. And there's a huge, dis there's a huge amount of wasted organs that are already consented um, for donation, they're brain dead, uh, they want to give the gift of life, et cetera, um, that don't go on and, and, and become transplanted for a number of reasons. And the uh, Scientific Registry for Organ Transplant um, detailed out really well, and they look at all the decline reasons and all the discard reasons for the organs, and the majority of the reasons co come down to uh, logistics and not having people in the right place at the right time. Either it's capacity, uh, I don't have a surgeon ready, or you know, people are on vacation, or the recipient um, that we had intended to uh, transplant the organ is, is out of town, or they're not they're not ready. Uh, their health status has changed, um, their insurance changed, and we don't have you know the proper payment structure ready to go uh, for that. Um, and uh, organs are only you know good for um, you know a few hours out of the body, so it's a very short period of time. You need to have a lot of information together. And when we talked to the Organ Transplant Center in Iowa and the Iowa Donor Network um, and talking about some of the challenges and kind of saying, you know, like, what the hell is this? We looked at this data and it just doesn't make any sense to us. You know, how, how can we, you know, how can we do, be better stewards of the gift of life, essentially? So you told me, uh, I don't know if you've mentioned it yet. You've told me, you told me the percentage of organs that could be used that go unused because of basically a communication breakdown. What percent of organs uh, do not get used? So there's 54% of organs that are authorized, basically all signed up and, and uh, consented for organ transplant that don't get used. 54%. 54%. A majority of organs that can be used and, and extend other people's lives or well-being go to waste. Yes. Um, this could be for a number of, of valid factors, but then also um, um, the majority are actually due to the logistical factors that I was talking about. Um, so they actually did a study in the, in the United Kingdom. It came out to 30% of the organs that were being discarded. Um, for through a retrospective analysis they could have gone on to save lives. Um, there's an index uh, that we use in the United States, and I think we, they also use it internationally, called the Kidney Donor Profile Index. Um, and uh, basically it's the, the health of the kidney, but anything over 85, um, there's a 50% discard rate on that particular section of the organs that can really be, um, that can really be more heavily utilized. Uh, across all the organ systems, there are a lot of different um, authorization rates and donation rates as far as uh, kidneys are in the highest volume, highest need, um, and uh, highest number of um, kidneys that are, that are discarded. It's about 5,000 kidneys per year um, that are actually procured, they're recovered, they're, they're ready to go, they're on uh, pumps or in ice boxes in transit to wherever they're um, wherever they're going for transplant that don't that don't get transplanted, um, particularly uh, that organ system. So um, 
with uh, with better logistics, we actually helped uh, the University of Iowa and Iowa Donor Network and the other transplant centers um, increase the number of uh, transplants that they had in the state of Iowa, saving Iowan lives um, by 35 percent in in our first year. That's unbelievable. Um, there there were a number of changes that they were doing, and working with us was a one of um, many process changes that they had in place. And uh, when we surveyed all the users and everything, they all thought that. Um, the use of our system actually uh, was was a big, a significant part of that change. So, so this is obvious. Like nobody's nobody's going to disagree with this being an issue. Fifty four percent of organs going to waste. Uh, that's an obvious issue that uh, that I don't think anybody's going to push back on. Uh, how did you and Dalton, two students from Iowa, get people's attention? So, um, how did you go from just two students? with a, sure, like a legitimate, uh, a legitimately shared passion for this. How did you get on people's radar enough to actually start impacting a 30, what was it, 35% um, increase in usage in Iowa? Yeah, tell me, tell me how you started to get taken seriously. It was a huge credit to the entrepreneurship infrastructure at the University of Iowa. We worked with uh, the John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center and the folks, um, that run their Founders Club, which is kind of their, um, their support system for um, early stage companies. Um, we won a business plan competition that, that afforded us a few hundred dollars to go out and uh, create some wireframes and start showing it to people. Um, one of the things that, and we were introduced to Business Model Canvas and you know just some lean startup methodology um, tools that we could use to actually like flesh this business out. Um, and then also, yeah, some of the startup capital that I talked about um, from the university was critical in teasing out and, and uh, getting to kind of like our riskiest assessment test or uh, rat. Um, each time we go through our business model canvas, uh, we identified significant assumptions that needed to be you know, flushed out. Um, part of the assumptions were just, you know, how is this system going to work uh, for communication and coordination for organ transplant? Um, we collected a lot of um, user requirements from the University of Iowa Transplant Center, which having the at University of Iowa EDU email address opened a lot of doors for us as well. Um, and then also working with the Iowa Donor Network, and they were extremely progressive in the way that they were they wanted to improve their own industry. So it really showed that they wanted to give us a, a shot and had us work with their procurement directors and 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 organized. Um, um, many uh, opportunities for us to actually just be a fly on the wall through a lot of these processes. Um, and we also met uh, Manny Villafana, who's a PhD biomedical engineer from, uh, from the University of Iowa that started St. Jude Medical, which is the bileaflet uh, heart valve company, number one prosthetic device in the world, implanted prosthetic device in the world, uh, sold to um, Abbott for over 26 billion or something like that uh, a few years ago. Um, and so he's a serial entrepreneur up in Minneapolis, gives a lot of donation to the University of Iowa. We were we had the opportunity through John Papa John Entrepreneurial Center to pitch our company to our or to the university um, foundation people, which he obviously is on that on that board. Um, and uh, and he and his wife, uh, Elizabeth Villafana, took us up to Minneapolis and had us actually work with LifeSource and the University of Minnesota Mayo um, and Hennepin County Hospital to do a similar kind of work study program that we did at Iowa. 
uh, to kind of get a different perspective. Um, and then he also were, was able to um, uh, actually led our seed round and kind of get the company organization docs together and, and really go for it. So. Um, it sounds like Iowa was a, I mean, a really great place to start the company. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell us how you ended up in Kentucky, and then, uh, and then I want to hear maybe what the future holds here in Kentucky. Why are you excited to be in Kentucky? Sure. Well, yeah, there are a number of reasons why we're really excited to uh, to be headquartered here in Kentucky now and grow the company here in Kentucky. Um, but I, but I, I really do want to share the story of how what brought me here. Particularly, um, I met my girlfriend in Jackson Hole, Wyoming snowboarding three years ago um, over spring break. And we had been long distance in a long distance relationship for two and a half years before, uh, and she goes to the University of Kentucky. And we were in a long distance relationship for two and a half years before I moved to Lexington um, to, uh, to be with her and actually to grow our business here. Uh, we still have some offices and, and um, engineers at the University of Iowa, and University of Iowa will be a big part of our company moving forward as well. Um, but there are significant, and credit to the economic development people in the state of Kentucky, there are significant incentives for um, high-tech businesses to be here, um, one of which particularly is a uh, one-to-one um, SBIR match. Uh, I alluded to our one-year study with 35% increase in Iowa for our first year with our system. Um, the second continuation of that grant is uh, $2.5 million, and the state of Kentucky will match that grant non-dilutive um, should we receive it. Um, and that's a huge reason. Uh, that's a that's two million reasons uh, to be here, as well as, uh, obviously, the um, investment community here, uh, I've, I've heard, has just been booming in the in the past few years especially more recently and we were actually uh had our series a finance round led by the bluegrass angels um that that also kind of cemented our and established our company here in lexington so it's led by Blue, bluegrass angels and global equity ventures also a uh, a venture capital group here or an angel group here in um kind of the lexington fayette county area um uh helped helped uh, make make it financially f- possible to continue our growth here. And so big credit to this area. Well, yeah, love, love to have you here. Love, uh, love leads to Kentucky, I guess. That's, uh, love leads to Kentucky, that's yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. um, well, awesome. Um, so tell us more about just yourself. I mean, we were just kind of shooting the breeze earlier. What do, you, what do you do when you're not working on Omni Life? Uh, so I'm kind of an adrenaline um, outdoor activity enthusiast junkie. Um, I like, uh, uh, I'm working with the, or not working, but I, I'm part of the Kentucky Bluegrass Association or Kentucky Mountain Biking Association in, in the Bluegrass, so Kimba Bluegrass area, and they have wonderful trails set up. Uh, there's trails at Wessex Farm, trails in, um, at Capitol View Park, uh, Veterans Park in Lexington, um, and then Skullbusters in just south of Georgetown, I believe. Um, and then the LAC, the Lexington um, Outdoor Area. You know what I'm talking about? LAC. It's uh, I know uh, Lexington Athletic Club. That's, oh, that's the LAC I know. Lexington Adventure Center. Okay. It's out in Versailles or just past Versailles, I think. And my geography, you have to forgive me. I'm, I might be butchering this. Um, 
but um, but they a lot of trail systems. They do a great job uh, at maintaining and building and uh, their trails, and so contributing to that as a as a donor or member of the um, Mountain Biking Association has been a pleasure for me. I've got to meet a number of people in that um, people in that organization that have helped me fix broken cranks um, and keep me out on the trail. Uh, also encouraged me to um, do some night riding. So I'm excited to do that. I haven't actually gone yet. I have my lights and I'm, I'm ready to go. But uh, other than that, I, I work out every day uh, at the alumni gym. So shout out UK for their spouse pass being like $20 a month, which is pretty sweet with towel service. Um, you guys should all like definitely do it. Um, and what else? Uh, the Tuesday night running club at West Six Brewery is a wonderful way to get uh, a few miles in um, on Tuesday night. And it's actually kind of one of the highlights to my work week. Um, get together with a bunch of friends, have a beer, run, run around for a while. Uh, we usually go up north, up the uh, Legacy Trail, and get about five miles in um, on a good night. Um, and then on Saturday mornings, shout out to Todd's Road Stumblers, and you can get a lot of miles in there with some enthusiasts. They, they ring the bell at 7 a.m. And, and, and you go run out at Old Todd's Road. It's beautiful. You can see the sunrise and uh, it's, it's gorgeous. And you have a lot of um, enthusiastic runners out there and a lot of people that will push you to your, to your limit. Um, and, you know, they run and train for, um, as their primary form of exercise and, and do lots of, uh, a lot of Boston runners out there and, and marathoners. So it so. sounds like if anybody ever wants to bump into you when you're not at work, they've got to see you out either on mountain bike trails or running trails in the middle of the night. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the theme I'm, I'm picking up here. Well, awesome. Uh, Eric, I appreciate you taking the time to tell us about uh, OmniLife. Um, we're excited that you're here in Kentucky. We want to uh, make sure that anybody that can support you and wants to support you uh, can get in touch with you. Um, so uh, with that, if you want to learn more about Eric and OmniLife, you can uh, do so by coming and approaching Awesome Inc. in the fellowship program. Uh, or if you can get a hold of his business card, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Um, but Eric, thanks a lot, man. And, uh, and thanks for being here. Well, that's it. We want to say thank you again so much for checking out the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. Special thanks to Lee Rosevere for the music that you hear in the show and to Lexington's Awesome Inc. for hosting us from their space. Again, I'm Garrett Farbach. Make sure to check back and tune in next time. We'll see you then.